You're listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. Notes for today's sermon are available by downloading the GFC Florida app. Come on, come on. If you know that God is good. Yes. We serve a great God, yes? Come on, real loud all over every campus. Make some noise for Jesus. We serve a great God. Lord God, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you in spirit and with truth. We give you this moment and we open up our ears, our hearts, our minds to receive what you have for us today. In Jesus' name, and the church says, amen. You may be seated. If y'all don't mind, for the next few moments, we're going to talk about the power of praise. Yeah, this, this is one of my favorite things to talk about, the power of of praise all throughout the scriptures. There's hundreds if not thousands of scriptures that not only encourage us, but command us to praise the Lord. Psalms 150 says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Everybody do this for me. Take a deep breath in, a deep breath out. That means you. If you have breath, you are commanded by God himself to praise the Lord. This verse is a reminder that praise is not dependent on our situation. It's an act of obedience that we should praise the Lord. It's not just a command. It's a reminder that everything that is living is expected to praise God. Yeah, it doesn't matter what your denominational background is. And I know here at Grace Family Church, we got people coming from all over. We got people that have a Catholic background and Lutheran background, Episcopalian, Baptist, and Pentecostal. It really doesn't matter what your background is. The Bible does not cater to your denominational preference. The Bible caters to God. The Bible is a book about God. It doesn't matter where you came from. He says, let everything that has breath open up your mouth and praise the Lord. Praise is not confined to a church service. Praise is a daily devotion. It's something we are expected to do all the time. There are some benefits to praise, which we're going to talk about here in a moment. Now, I know some of you may be nervous, and you should be, because if I'm talking about praise, that means that this service is going to be inclusive. It's not just going to be me talking. It's going to be you engaging in this message, too. Yeah, so get ready. Yeah, elbow the person next to you. Say, yeah, get ready. But I want to draw your attention to a, to a psalm that you've probably heard if you've been in church for a while, you've probably heard this psalm, Psalm 104. It says, this is David writing his psalm. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. When David pins this psalm, David is penning this psalm talking about church. He says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Now, David uh, uh, builds a temple for the ark, but David is not referencing this. David is actually referencing the tabernacle of Moses. In a moment here, you're going to see a graph of that. But David, he's referencing the tabernacle of Moses, the first church. In Exodus, the 20th chapter, actually from Exodus 14 all the way to Exodus 28, 
But Moses is going on Mount Sinai and he's having these meetings with God. And most of you know that Moses goes up on Mount Sinai and God actually gives him the Ten Commandments. The Bible says that he writes with his finger the Ten Commandments on stone tablets. But also while Moses was on Mount Sinai, God gives him the instructions to this tabernacle. God gives him the instructions to the first church. This is amazing. And so not only does he come down with these Ten Commandments, which have shaped our modern society, even our laws to this day, he also comes down with architectural plans for a brand new church. Here's why. Here's why this is important. All through the book of Exodus, God is having interaction with prophets by himself. Here with Moses just by himself, sometimes Aaron is along and other times there are other leaders. So the idea and the inference here is God is saying everybody can come to the mountaintop. So I'll bring the mountaintop to everybody. And so he gives them the plans for this church. We're going to show it. You're going to show it to you back here. Ooh, this looks beautiful. Okay, this is me being silly. Do y'all remember Sesame Street and Grover? And he would say, near, far. Okay, I'm showing my age. But these are the plans to the tabernacle. This entire structure is 175 feet by 150 feet, and it's covered in linen all the way around. These are very, very detailed instructions that God gives him. And in Exodus 25 and 8, God says, be careful to do it just the way I said to do it. I want you to create it just the way I said to do it. So we have the gates here. We have what's called the outer court. There is the... uh, This is where they did the sacrifices. This is actually a table here, uh, a basin where the priests would cleanse their hands. And this is called the inner court. There's two rooms in the inner court. One of those rooms housed what's called the Ark of the Covenant. This is where the presence of God would actually come and sit. But these gates are not just any simple gates. These gates are actually colored in blue, crimson, and red. These gates represent Jesus. This temple, this tabernacle, is a shadow of what's going to happen in heaven. And actually, the whole tabernacle, we don't have time to go through all the elements. Ooh, but I really love this stuff, so you got to read it. But the whole tabernacle represents our relationship with Jesus Christ. So when David says, enter into the gates with thanksgiving, David is referencing this gates, but it's also a prophecy because these gates represent Jesus. These gates were the portal from the mundane to the extraordinary. The reason that the gates are the color that they are because they represent the body of Jesus Christ that was broken and that was bruised. For us, so long before Jesus even came, long before the Messiah even came, God was creating a tabernacle, a mobile church for his people. So David says when you enter those gates, you got to enter them with thanksgiving. You've got to approach the gates with some gratitude. You've got to approach them with some thanksgiving because this is a moment of transition. This is where everybody comes to meet God. So he says, enter gates. All this is built around the fact and the idea that God wants to dwell with his people. There's a Hebrew word mishkan, which is translated, which means dwelling place. 
God says, Moses, I want to make a dwelling place. And here's what's amazing about this. Ooh, this is good stuff. Y'all don't know, I love this stuff. This is good stuff. Here's what's amazing about this. God's desire from the beginning has always been to dwell with his people. This, this I, I don't want to jump ahead too far, but this moment here is a representation of God saying, it's not good enough that I'm on the mountain and you come up to the mountain and see me every now and then. I want to make a place where the people can come. I want to I be where the people are. I, I want to make a place where they can come and enjoy me. So, and even after this, this still wasn't good enough for God. If we jump all the way forward into the New Testament, when God decided to put on human clothes and come down in the form of Jesus, it's because he wanted to dwell with his people. And that still wasn't good enough for him. Even when he died, he says, when I leave, I won't leave you by yourself. I'm going to come and I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit with you. Why? Because I want to dwell with my people. And so the temple actually changes. This tabernacle changes. It's always been portable. We moved from the portable structure to Jesus, to you. You become the temple. So he says, enter into these gates because these are no ordinary gates. I need you to enter these gates with thanksgiving. Well, he says, I want you to show up to the gates. I want you to show up to church with a grateful heart. Why do you think we start our services off with singing? It's not so the late people can get in here on time. It's not just so we have something to do to pass the time until we get to the message. The reason that we start our services off with singing is because before you ask God for anything, you should be thanking God for everything. This is why we do what we do. Can y'all tell I'm excited? I love this. When we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, it's a profound acknowledgement that you are in the presence of the king of kings. You're stepping into the realm where miracles happen, where burdens are lifted, and where you can pour out your heart. And it's your gratitude, it's your thanksgiving that unlocks the gates and you're welcomed into the courts of his majesty. Entering into his gates with thanksgiving is a sacred recognition of the privilege we have as his children to approach him with gratitude and reverence, knowing that in his presence there's joy, there's peace, there is fulfillment, fulfillment of our deepest Longing. So David 100 says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. There's the gates, then there's the court. The outer court, this is where everyone meets. The court, this is the sanctuary. This is where we all come to fellowship. The court is the gathering place. He says, I want you to enter the court with praise. Start with your thanksgiving, but when you come into court, into the court, and when you come into the sanctuary, you should be ready to praise. I look forward to the day. I look forward to the day when the church doesn't wait for the worship team. I look forward to the day, South Tampa. I look forward to the day when you enter into the sanctuary, you got your praise shoes on. 
you are praise ready. You don't need no music and you ain't waiting for it. You singing already. He says, I want you to enter into the courts with praise. I want you to enter. Now, there are two types of praise. There's two types of praise. Let me explain what praise is. Praise is an outward expression of our, our affection and attention. Praise is our affection on display. And there's two types of praise. There's posterior praise and there's preliminary praise. Posterior praise is praising God for what he already did. We call this gratitude. God, I thank you for waking me up this morning. I, I thank you for clothing me in my right mind. I thank you for saving my body. I, I thank you for healing me. I thank you for all the things you've done for me. This is gratitude. Then there's preliminary praise. Preliminary praise is praising God in advance. Preliminary praise says, I have enough faith to believe what you say, so I'm going to give you an advanced praise. I don't even have to wait till it gets here. I trust that it's coming. Why? Because I put the number in the thing. I called on my God and I pushed the enter button, and so I know my Amazon prize praise is coming. <laughs> so I'm going to praise you in advance. I'm going to prepare myself for what I know you're going to do. You, you ever buy stuff? You ever buy stuff and then you prepare your house for the stuff you bought? Oh, come on, it's not just me. You, you ever buy some new clothes, but you move some old clothes out of the way to make sure that you got room for the new stuff that's coming? That's preliminary praise. I so trust in what God has said that I'm willing and ready to praise him in advance. This is a powerful Praise. This is the praise of expectation. And whether your praise is post or preliminary, praise is an absolute essential part of our daily walk with Christ. The goal of our praise is to magnify God. But for us, there are benefits to praising God. Ooh, say benefits. Ooh, we like benefits, right? There are some benefits to praising God. One of those benefits, I'm going to give you seven benefits. You ready? One of those benefits is praise puts our focus on God. Praise puts our focus on God and off of ourselves. Praise requires that we have the proper perspective. See, you can't celebrate what doesn't have your attention. You can't clap if you didn't see it. I, I, my daughter plays volleyball. One of my daughters plays volleyball and we go to the game and it's, it's imperative that I watch. Now, I really only care when she plays because those other kids ain't my kids. And I, I come to see her. So sometimes when she's not playing, I'm on my phone. Oh, don't act like I'm the only parent. <laughs> that's on their phone when your kid ain't playing. But when my child is playing, she has an expectation that I will watch. 
So I give her my undivided attention. My perspective changes. My focus changes. It doesn't matter what's on my phone. It doesn't matter what I was looking at before because my intention and my praise is going to the girl who's out on the court who's spiking that ball and killing them other little girls. And I'm the daddy on the sideline that is annoying my daughter. I'm the daddy that's on the sideline going, get him! Ah, get him. My daughter told me, she's like, Dad, you can't do this. I go to a Christian school. You can't be, you can't be telling me to kill the other kids. Or you know what I mean. But she has my undivided attention. And in our, in our selfie-focused world, we need this constant reminder. Life is not all about us. Got to change our perspective. God desires our eyes to be firmly set on him because that's where our true hope is found. Praise is a magnifier of God's goodness. When we look at something through a magnifying glass, it gets bigger. And when we look at our lives through the lens of praise, God gets bigger and our problems get smaller. This is why Psalms 34 and 3 says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. Let's make his name big together. Two, the second thing that praise does is praise brings us to a place of humility. Praise reminds us of our dependency on God. It reminds us that we need him. Praise reminds us to acknowledge his presence in our lives. There was a song the, the, the old people used to sing when I was a kid. It's like, I need thee, oh, I need thee. Y'all know that? Every hour I need thee. Oh, bless me now, my Savior. I come to thee. You need him. And praise reminds us that I need you. It brings us to a place of humility. Three, praise confuses the enemy. Oh, yeah. Praise, we're going to talk about this a little bit later. Praise confuses the enemy. Praise is not only a physical expression, it's also a spiritual weapon that pushes back the darkness. Number four, praise leaves no room for complaining and negativity. Praise leaves no room for complaining and negativity. Can anybody think of something, all, even online, on the chat, can anybody think of something bad that's going on in your life right now? Just real quick. Can you think of anything that, in your life that you don't like? You got it? I think everybody's got at least one thing in your life that you don't like. You got it on the top of your mind? Okay. Now, in, in the moment, I want you to say that thing that you don't like out loud. But at the same time, I want you to say, praise the Lord. I don't know if everybody could hear that everywhere, but you can't do it. You cannot complain and praise at the same time. You can't do it. So praise doesn't leave any room for negativity. When we're praising, my eyes are on the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. It doesn't matter how big the problem is. My God is bigger and my praise will profess it. Number five, praise 
invites God's presence into our lives. In Psalms 22 and 3, it says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of people. This is the King James Version. In other words, what this means is God inhabits the praises of his people. Wherever there is praise going on, the Bible says God will dwell. The Hebrew word is yeshab. It means he will sit. He will hang out. He will, find, he will take up residence. When you praise in him, God is like, go ahead, let me hear some more. I'm just going to sit right here. It means that he will find a throne where you are. When you praise him, you bring his presence closer to you. Number six, praise renews your spirit. We are strengthened by his peace and refueled by his joy. Through the heart of praise, we realize that God doesn't just change our situations and work through our problems. He changes our hearts. Psalm 16 says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. One of the final things we hear is praise paves the way for God's power to be displayed. Yeah, your life and the people around you's life are transformed as a result of praise. In your praise, God shakes some things up. We set the platform, we set the pace for God to do miracles when we show up in praise. And so for the next few moments, you and I are going to engage in some expressions of praise. I know, for some of you, you are very nervous. For some of you, this is a simple exercise. You're going, bring it on, I do this anyway. For some of you, this will be a sacrifice, and that's okay. Hebrews 13 and 15 says, bring your sacrifice of praise. So let me answer some questions before we get started. You might say this, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. Maybe I should, but I don't feel like praising. If feeling like doing something was a prerequisite for things getting done, there will be a lot of things that don't get done. Oh, y'all not making enough noise. If, if you had to feel like it in order for it to get done, there's a lot of stuff that wouldn't get done. I, I, I know we've got five children and I know my wife didn't always feel like getting up to feed the babies. But guess what? She got up and she fed them babies and they loved her for it. I didn't get up. <laughs> she got up. I, I, I like to say it this way. It's easier to act your way into a feeling than to feel your way into an action. You, sometimes you got to do it before you feel it and your feelings will catch up. Like I've had couples come to me and say, uh, 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 I don't love my wife right now, I don't feel the love. Okay, you might not feel the love, but start doing the stuff. 
Start holding hands and, and being romantic and, and saying sweet things and buying flowers. Uh, eventually, your feelings will catch up to your actions. Eventually, your feelings will catch up to your obedience. Amen? Feelings. <laughs> you might be saying, I hear you, Pastor Darrell, but I'm not, I'm not really emotional like that. I don't, be, I don't just be raising my hands and clapping and singing. Uh, you lying. <laughs> I'm not emotional. Yes, you are, because you were made in the image and likeness of God. Amen. So that means you are emotional. It, it, listen, if your favorite team was playing, you'd be emotional. I, listen, I went to a game with Pastor Craig. Now, first of all, here's, here's one thing I love. I love that we have a senior pastor, a lead pastor that worships. Like, he worships. He doesn't sing that well. But he sings loud. And I love it. He worships, he raises hands, he'll be on his knees, and he doesn't care. And I love that he does, does that. But I've been to a game with him. And we went to a Bucks game, a Buccaneers game, and, and we're sitting on the road, and he's screaming at the team like he know those people. <laughs> and Craig might tell you, I'm not an emotional person, but yeah, you are. All of us are in some way or another. We are all emotional. And God is not requiring you to be emotional. He's requiring you to be active. He says, so this is an act of obedience. And you might be thinking, well, I don't want anybody looking at me. Well, guess what? Nobody's looking at you. Because they're all going to be praising God too. Or maybe you're thinking, I can't sing. Okay. Well, God is not moved by the sincerity of your voice. He's moved by the sincerity of your heart. So it's not about how well you sing, it's just that you sing. If, if you've ever seen a drawing from a three or four-year-old child that they give to their parent, and that parent looks at that picture, and, and, and that parent knows that they don't know what it is that that child just drew. <laughs> and so parents say stuff like, ooh, that's so pretty. What is this? Oh, that's you, Daddy. Ooh, wow. Wow. I don't, I, where's Daddy's legs at? I don't have no legs. It's just a, one big old head and two arms. It doesn't matter. I appreciate it. And God feels the same way about your voice. You don't have to sing well. He says, just open up your mouth. And maybe you may be going, I, you know, we sing all these songs and I know these songs, but I don't know the lyrics to these songs, so that's why I don't sing. Can you read? <laughs> we got lyrics everywhere. The song screens are big on the wall. If you can read, maybe you can't sing it. Maybe you don't like the sound of your voice, but you can say them. You can say those words. God wants to hear your voice. So we're going to stand up here in a minute and we're going to practice some praise. Oh yeah. Come on, stand with me. I got one more for you and this is for the nerds because I'm a nerd. 
I'm a nerd too, so I love this kind of stuff. Uh, researchers have found that when we praise God, there is an increase in something called the BPNF, which is a neurotransmitter that helps us grow healthy brain cells. So when we praise God, they did a test for people that, that were praising God and that weren't praise God. When we praise God, gamma waves are created in our brains that can actually give us a physical and mental boost. So people who praise God consistently made better life decisions, had better relationships, made better financial decisions, and they had increased intelligence. Praise. So Psalm 149 and 3 says this, let them praise him with the dance. Don't get nervous. We've done this before. I just need everybody to take one step to your right. One, two, three. Oh, come on, y'all look good. Now everybody take one step to your left. One, two, three. We call that dancing. That's it. The Bible doesn't say you gotta dance on beat. It doesn't say you gotta cha-cha slide, none of that. It's just, it's just dancing. Pastor Jeffrey, listen, you live right here. This is it, this is it. This is where you live. You ain't gotta do nothing else. Psalm 47 says, come everyone, clap your hands and shout to God with a joyful praise. Come on, let's clap our hands and shout to God with a joyful praise. Come on, Clearwater, let's clap our hands and shout to God with a joyful praise. Yes. Oh, y'all sound good. Y'all sound good. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Limitations 3 and 41 says, lift, let us lift up our hearts and hands to God in heaven. This is a sign of surrender that we believe God is as good as he said he is. All right, put your hands down. Psalms 122. David says, I was glad when they said, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now we're going to sing together here. We're going to sing. We're going to sing real simple. These words are going to come up on the screen, and we're all going to sing it. We don't, need, we don't need no band. We ain't got no band. It's just us. Y'all ready? So we're going to sing, Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Y'all ready? Now, everybody's got to sing. Now, if you're next to somebody and they're not singing, you have my permission that you can elbow them. Lord, you are good and your mercy endure forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endure forever. Come on. Lord, you are good. Say, Lord, you are good and your mercy endure forever. Lord, you are good and your mercy endure forever. Now, I want y'all just look around real quick. Did y'all look around a little bit? Here's what was happening. Some of you were clapping. Some of you were singing. Some of you were dancing. Some of you weren't. It's all good because some people can't do all three of those things at the same time. As long as you got one of them, you're doing great. All right, have a seat. Have a seat. Praise has benefits 
Finally, I want to share with you that praise is a weapon. Praise is a weapon. You're going, you're going to find these scriptures in your notes, and I'm going to get through this really quickly, so uh, don't even put the scriptures up on the screen. If you got your app, check it out. In 2 Chronicles, the 20th chapter, there's a king by the name Jehoshaphat. And Jehoshaphat, Jehoshaphat finds out, I'm going to call him King Joe right now because I don't want to keep saying his name. King Joe finds out that there are armies coming to fight him, three armies to be exact. So he's outnumbered. And at this time, Israel is a small country. They don't have a, a, a big army. So it's a small group of them. And so the Bible says in 2 Chronicles 20 and the second chapter, it actually says that they were coming up from behind. And so it says that King Joe got afraid. He feared and then he turned to the Lord. He feared. The issue isn't that he feared. There's no problem with being afraid. But what he did after he feared is that he turned to God. NIV says that he reconciled to himself to go to the Lord. So he feared, but he goes to the Lord. So he goes to God and he prays. And when he prays, he doesn't pray this normal prayer. He doesn't pray, oh Lord, I need your help. These people come to beat me up. He prays a very different prayer. He actually prays a prayer. He says, aren't you the God of all creation? He, he's praying for the next few verses. He actually prays asking questions to God. He's not asking these questions to remind God of who God is, but he's asking these questions so that King Joe remembers who God is. So he, he leaves the prayer not even afraid anymore because I just reminded myself, wait a minute, I, I know that all of these people are coming to fight me, but don't I serve the God of the universe? Didn't the God I serve create all this stuff anyway? I have no reason to be afraid. So then God answers him in prayer and God sends a person to him to tell him, say, guess what? The battle that you're going to face is not yours. You ain't got to worry about it. This battle is not yours to fight. However, you do got to suit up and you have to go down to the battlefield. Mm, this don't sound right, Jesus. You told me I didn't have to fight. You told me that this wasn't my battle. Yeah. So King Joe has so much faith in what God says that he says, I'm going to put my worshipers on the front line. Not my warriors. Not the people that have shield and armor and swords. I'm putting my singers and my praisers on the front line. This is the kind of faith. This is preliminary faith. I so believe in what God is going to do that I'm willing to praise him in advance. And he, then King Joe tells the people, he says, if you trust God, then also trust me. If you trust God, trust the prophets, trust me. And he tells them what to sing. He says, oh, I'm not even in my notes, God. I'm all over the place. <laughs> he tells them what to sing because he trusts in what God is going to do in their life. He says, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. I know you might be afraid. 
I know you might be scared, but I want you to go down on the front lines of the battlefield and I want you to say this as loud as you can. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Now, originally King Joe only called the men because only the men went to war. But we're in the army of the Lord, so women, you're not excluded. We all get drafted. He says, send the praisers down first. And so they go out to the battlefield. And these warriors are standing there and this choir, this praise team is up front. And they're on the battle line and on the other side of the hill is all of the other armies. And they're standing there and said, give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord for his love endures forever. And guess what happens on the other side? On the other side of the hill, the armies hear their praise. They get confused and start killing each other. So by the time God's army gets to the other side of the hill, everyone's dead. They, it was their praise that confused them. It was their praise that brought victory because praise is a weapon when you use it right. See, this, this, is, why, this is why it's so important. This is why it's so important. I'm gonna make this a church thing now. This is why it's so important that you come to church on time because we need our praisers on the front line. Every time, every time you show up 15, 20 minutes late, our front line is suffering. Because the first thing that we should be doing is praising God. It doesn't matter what, what the battle is. It doesn't matter what the report is. I'm going to praise God first. It doesn't matter what the doctor said. I'm going to praise God first. I'm going to give him a preliminary praise. Because this is how I fight my battles. Praise is a spiritual weapon. And my prayer for you is that you will begin to praise more. Oh, we're not done. Stand to your feet. This is a reminder. Praise isn't about our circumstances. It's about our focus. Praise shifts the enormity of our problems to the enormity of our God. This is how we fight our battles. So I'm gonna need everybody to sing. Y'all ready? This is how I fight my battles. Oh, y'all ready? Say, this is how I fight my battles. Come on, breathe deeply. Come on, man, let me hear you. This is how I fight my battles. No matter what you're facing, this is your moment. This is how I fight my battles. It may look like I'm surrounded. Let me hear you say, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah. It may look like. Come on, sing it out.
Thank you for listening to the Grace Family Church Podcast. For more info, check out gfcflorida.com or connect with us by texting the word CONNECT to 81313. We look forward to meeting you at one of our locations soon.